evening while we pray, okay? Heavenly Father, we want to take this moment just to pause, to lean in that bit closer, to hear your heart, to just get our ear next to your chest and hear your heartbeat. Lord, that you would take our lives and transform them by the power of God. Lord, that we would know you more. That as we leave today, we would leave knowing you more deeply. That, Father, we would have an encounter with you that would change our lives forever. And, Lord, I'm asking that today you would help us to press in, to not be satisfied where we're at, but to desire more of you. And I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. All right. I want to talk to you today about being hungry. I've titled this message, Blessed Are the Hungry. We're going to start off in Matthew chapter 5. So if you just want to flick there, I haven't got anything on the screen for you today, so you're going to have to really tune in, and hopefully you brought your Bibles and can follow along. So Matthew chapter 5, the famous passage of Jesus when he's talking on the mount, um, and it's the, the Sermon of the Beatitudes as it's come to be known today. And Jesus is talking about a blessed state for many different people. But I want to hone in on one in in particular today, and that is verse 6. Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. I wonder, I just wonder, if it works this way for everything. If you hunger and thirst for something else, Will you be filled with it too? And if so, what does that do for you? Have you ever eaten too much chocolate or too much of something and you just don't feel so great anymore? You just feel a little bit, ugh. Well, Jesus is specific. He doesn't just say blessed are those who hunger. He says blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And then it comes with the glorious words, for they shall be filled. Blessed are those who hunger for righteousness. I want to know, what are you hungry for today? What are you hungry for? What do you have an appetite for? Now, when I was a kid, we were never allowed to eat a certain amount of time before dinner because mum would always say it'd ruin our appetite. Did anyone else have parents like mine? Mm. Are any of you that parent? <laughs> so you want to have an appetite. Now, what do you really feel like if you are really, really, really hungry? Do you, do you sort of have a specific food in mind or are you just thinking about food in general? Jesus is specific here. What do you have an appetite for? What are you hungry for? Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see 
that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Taste and see that he is good. We want to begin to develop, if we haven't already got it, an appetite for God. Not just for the things God can do, but a hunger and a passion for him and him alone. <sighs> well, I remember hearing stories about uh, revival in Indonesia when I was a kid. And it was really cool. These people found out about Jesus and they began to read the Bible and all they knew was what it said in there. So one day this flood came through the village and completely wiped out the main bridge from one side of town to the other. Flooded completely. And the believers wanted to get to church, but they're standing on the other side of the river. And they say, well, I guess we just walk across because Jesus walked on the water and they walked across the water to church. But they didn't know any different. That's what the Bible said. And when they got to church, they were too poor to afford emblems like the wine and the bread. So it was regular occurrence on a Sunday for Jesus to turn the water into wine so they could partake together. Can you imagine seeing a flooded river? What do we do if the, if the roads are over here in Stanford? Oh, man, I've got to go and block the chair. And I wonder sometimes, is it just because the weather is not very favourable, we go, snooze, I'll go next Sunday, sorry. You know, how hungry are we? Maybe, maybe we haven't actually tasted so you know how they're really sneaky, some of these companies, and they put additives in the food, and they're called flavor enhancers. So you have one bite, and then you go, hmm, that tasted good. I think I'll have another one. Particularly Pringles chips, I reckon they're the worst. Because you think, oh yeah, I'll just have a couple. But then you get that hunger. Something happens. And you reach back in and then you chip it. And before you know it, you have consumed half of a tin. Because you weren't really hungry till you got a taste. But then when you get a taste, you want to come back for some more. Well, I wonder if God is saying to us, it's time for you to begin to get a taste again. Of me because there's so much the world has to offer there's a huge buffet of the world they say come and taste this and come and taste that and come and taste this it's so good for you and yet we find ourselves a bit like the one who snuck a cookie before dinner <laughs> don't it's taken the edge of our appetite Psalm 27 can we go there together? One of my favourite psalms. Psalm 27. Okay. There's so many good verses in this psalm, but I want to pick up from 
uh, verse 4. I'm going to read verse 4 to 6. And let's just unpack a little bit here. <laughs> David is writing this psalm. I want you to think about this. I don't know at what point in his life David was writing this, but I dare say it's after he's been anointed as king. Whether he was already in the palace, I do not know. But one thing I do know, let's say it was before he was in the palace, where he'd been given the promise, you're going to be the next king. if I was David, not to obsess over that. If you knew you are going to be the king, how would you start to think about yourself? He's the youngest brother. Imagine the temptation what to say to the older brothers. You better watch it. I'm going to be king one day and I'll put you in jail. I mean, oh, sibling in the room just but thank you yes do you you understand don't you what it's like to have an older sibling or siblings that just sometimes we feel like we have something to prove David really had the opportunity but we don't actually hear of him bragging to his brothers um he, he's going to be king. It would be easy to obsess over that and, and be like, I probably need to work on my walk. I need that kingly walk. Oh, I need to work on my gaze. Looking at you. Uh, I need to do something with my hair. I don't look very authoritative with all this wild mane. Uh, but David didn't obsess about himself or his ability to be a king either now or in the future. In verse 4, he says, One thing I've desired of the Lord. Can I be king yet? No, that wasn't it. That will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. This is the one thing that David desires day and night, night and day. I have one burning passion. I just want to dwell in the house of God. Can you imagine? I actually got to see the city of David when I was in Israel and a part that they felt was all the palace that they'd built for David. But even fast forward later in his life, David has everything. He's king. But is that what fulfills him? Is that where he gets his joy and his comfort? No. He says, I just want to be in the house of the Lord. I want to behold his beauty. Oh, I just want to inquire in his temple. Verse 5 says, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing as I will sing praises to the Lord. In the secret place of his tabernacle, 
he shall hide me. The secret place. Psalm 91 describes the same thing. It says here, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. There is a secret place available. That's what God wants us to taste. Now, at my house when I was a kid, when we used to play hide and seek, I had one spot that no one could ever find me in. It was my secret place. The only thing was, it's a bit boring after a while <laughs> when you're like there for a long time and nobody can find you. But the wonderful thing about a secret place is that, well, there's something a little bit mysterious about a secret, isn't there? Can you imagine uh, me getting a text message from Jeremy who says, hey, meet me in our secret place. And I go, oh, this is going to be good. There's going to be some kind of thing that is just us and we're going to just talk. That's what God is wanting. Is come. Come and abide. Set up your home in the secret place. In the place of my presence. But, oh, Isaiah, he got into that secret place. And do you know what happened? He said, I heard the Lord talking. And he, he got so close into the throne room, he heard the conversation happening between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And they're saying, who will I send and who will go for us? And then Isaiah admits he's been eavesdropping and goes, oh, here am I, send me. But amazing, imagine what you can learn in the secret place. Oh. I want to read Psalm 63. Lots of Psalms today. But this one particularly is special to me. Many times over the years, this psalm has meant so much to me. Again, a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. And what is he saying? Oh God, you are my God. How often could we, with all honesty, say that? You are my God. How do we know when something is our God? something is our God. Whatever we've put in the highest place in the life, in our life, whatever has our attention, whatever has captivated our hearts, truly that is what we're worshipping. David said, oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. I used to think, couldn't it say late in the day? Like, what about the evening? Who's an early bird here? Who loves getting up early? Who's a night owl? Who likes being up here? David says, early will I seek you. It was his absolute priority. The very first moment of his day was about his God. 
He said, my soul thirsts for you and my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. He's writing this psalm in a wilderness. He's looking around him and everything's barren, everything's dry. But he's not just saying, oh God, quench my thirst in the natural. He's looking around him and he's going, that's how I feel. I am so thirsty for you, God. I am like a parched man in the desert. I'm in desperate need of you. When you're really, 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 really thirsty, what else are you thinking about? Water. That's all, right? You just, where can I get a drink of water? I just really need, look, I can't think of anything else. I'm This is what David is describing. I'm so eager for you that I feel like I can't think of another thing until I'm drinking of you. I just need you. He said, it's with this kind of passion. So I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. What if? What if we were so hungry for Jesus that when we came in the doors, we were just like, oh, come on, oh, come on, let's have a seat. Oh, Jesus. Uh, oh, how are you, by the way? Oh, I'm, oh, I just need, so I just had to have a drink. I just needed some of my king. Oh, there's something, now I know, I know, I do this sometimes, but my husband is more guilty of this than me. So (laughs) we have a little dog. And sometimes if we're eating something, she sits there and gives the puppy dog eyes. You know? And but if it's something she can't eat, sometimes I go, hmm. But very rarely. Just just saying. But my husband will look at those puppy dog eyes and he'll go, Mm. Am I telling the truth? (laughs) You know, if someone's really enjoying something, you want to try it too. You go, like, if someone's eating something and they go, oh, man, that tastes good. Well, let me try it then. We want in on this, right? Imagine if our lives, we were so hungry for God and so full of God that people looked at us and went, I don't know what you've got, but I need some of what you're having. Like, it sounds so good. Verse 3, David says, Because your loving kindness is better than life. To David, the sweetness of the Lord, his presence, was better than life itself. That was life to him. He says, my lips shall praise you. Ah, Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. 
and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. First he's talking about being so thirsty and so longing for the Lord. And now he's saying, my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. He's, he's been feasting on the Lord. And oh, it's so good for me. Who loves the fat? Man, my husband loves the fat and the bacon. Come on. <laughs> my, my children and I cut it off and we put it on his plate. Um, I'll give it to the dog. And it says, my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. What are you thinking about as you fall asleep? Satan loves to tell you all the things you forgot or all the things you need to be worried about or all the things you need to do tomorrow when you're trying to fall asleep. But David had one consuming passion. Even when he's laying on his bed, he's just thinking about Jesus. I meditate on you in the night watches because you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. Verse 8 says, my soul follows close behind you. Tim, can you come up here for a minute, please? I want you to come behind me and follow as close as you can, okay? <laughs> Do you get the idea what David was doing? My soul follows close behind you. <laughs> can you imagine God? Oh, all right, David. What is coming? Come, come, come. one obsession. What you doing today, God? Where are you at? What you doing? I just want to be wherever you are, whatever you're doing. I'm, I'm totally engaged with you. He said, your right hand upholds me. Imagine living there in the right hand of God, the secret place. Oh, all right. Jesus had an indictment for the religious leaders, the Pharisees of his day. He actually said to them that they fulfilled a prophecy, but unfortunately for them, it wasn't a nice prophecy they fulfilled. So Matthew chapter 15. I'm just going to read verse 8 and 9. Jesus has just called them hypocrites in verse 7. He said, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth and they honour me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Wow. They, they draw near with their mouth. They honour me with their lips. But their heart, if I was to say to my kids, I love you, but every other thing I did said the opposite. What's coming out of my mouth is absolutely meaningless. 
we can say, yes, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. But are we following Jesus? Are we just giving him lip service, but our hearts have been captivated by something else? All right. It's time for the... Oh, uh, yes. Thank you, Mary. It's time for the great unveiling. Now, Marion's going to go and actually cook me some popcorn because we want to smell it. And you'll hear it popping in just a minute. Okay. So, snacking. Sometimes we go to Toowoomba or Brisbane or other places and we go into one of the big shopping centres. And occasionally some of them have cinnamons attached. Has anyone been in a big shopping centre where there was cinemas there at the complex? And as you're walking past that area, what is it that you smell? Popcorn. Not just any popcorn. What type of popcorn is it? Hot butter. That's the word I was looking for. I don't think they should sell popcorn without butter. It should be illegal. Um, hot buttered popcorn. Triple butter, even better. Okay? That's what Marion's about to pop in the microwave for us. Triple butter popcorn. Now, it has a smell. Now, if you um, aren't particularly feeling hungry or whatever, but you walk past and you smell that, you're like, oh. I don't know if you like popcorn, but I happen to love it. Um, I let my husband have a few grains and stuff, and then I'm like, okay, hold in the bucket. Um, but, you know, it's that, oh, that smell. But what else do you think of when you think of popcorn? What comes to mind other than the flavour? What kind of timing, what setting do you eat popcorn in normally? The movies, definitely. So popcorn is often associated with some sort of entertainment, right? So it's a spectator thing where you sit. No, I could do the couch. You sit and you just consume and you're entertained. Now, are you necessarily engaged with another person if you're watching a movie? particularly are you I mean if it's scary I might you know say hide in Jeremy's arm or if it's frustrating you might get a punch <laughs> but uh, there's not really a lot of engagement with anyone in, in fact there's not even an engagement with people that you're watching on the screen because they're on the screen. So it's very much a spectator thing. So the popcorn is a distraction. It's a, in an environment where you are drawn away from fellowship into mere entertainment and chasing your own desires. What would make you feel good in the moment? Now, can you hear it popping? You have good ears. 
So, now, if you eat a stack of popcorn, are you going to be as hungry for lunch? No. Even though it's, it's, you know, kind of all air and all the rest of it, it's going to take the edge off your hunger. So over here, I want to unveil. Ooh. Yeah, now this is straight from Foxy's, baked fresh this morning. And, um, oh, there it is. Thank you. There we go. So we have a few competing smells. Who loves the smell of fresh bread? Yeah. There's something really cool about that. But what does bread make you think of? What sort of setting does bread make you think of? Food. Food? Well, yes. Where do you eat food? At the table. Yes. So bread has a different setting. It reminds you of mealtime. Family time, interaction, fellowship, relationship. What are we feeding on? Psalm 107, I'm going to go there quickly. Uh, who can smell the popcorn now? Anyone? Who's <laughs> 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 uh, ticket sales just doubled. No. <laughs> All right, Psalm 107. I want to pick up in verse 35 to 38. He, meaning our God, turns a wilderness into pools of water and dry land into water springs. There he makes the hungry dwell, that they may establish a city for a dwelling place, and sow fields and plant vineyards that they may yield a fruitful harvest. He also blesses them, and they multiply greatly, and he does not let their cattle decrease. All these amazing things are promised to one sort of person, the one who is hungry. There will be fruitful land, it says, well springs of water, rivers in the desert, fields sown, vineyards, a fruitful harvest. What for? Those who are hungry. There he makes the hungry dwell. So I want us to do something today. Um, have you got some pens? No, that's awesome. If you, I'm going to hand out some um, paper or maybe one of them. A couple of the ushers could help me with this. Well, here I have a great big box of distractions. Um, so I actually want you to take some time with the Lord and I want you to allow him to speak to your hearts. What is distracting you? What is taking your appetite? What are you feeding on that isn't him? What is taking and robbing you from having a hunger? 
and a desperate need for God. What are we feeding on over here from the world that they're telling us all this amazing stuff about? But it's actually a distraction from what we're meant to be doing. So a distraction could be anything. It doesn't have to be a sin, but it could become a sin because it's taking away the rightful place of God in your life. For example, you might have a TV series that you really enjoy watching, but has it become a distraction, what you're feeding on more than the Word of God? Are you feeding yourself on that TV show more than you're into the Bible? Can you quote more of the TV show than you can the Word of God? What is distracting you? Maybe it's just busyness in general and it's taking and consuming your time with God. It has become God. You know, Jesus said to Martha, Mary's chosen the better way. She was sitting and consuming his words, sitting at his feet, consuming the words of Jesus. What is distracting you? Maybe it's social media. Maybe, uh, maybe it's your phone. What do we ever do without phones, by the way? You know? What? Uh, it can be anything, anything at all. Maybe, maybe you're, what you're feasting on is actually your past. Maybe you have a daily diet of regrets. But... That's taking you from him. It's ruining your appetite. It's taking your hunger from God. So I just want you to write, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. What is a distraction? What is something that has taken the rightful place of God? What is ruining your appetite for him? For him. Because we want to today. Come and deal with the distractions. Let's just get rid of them. Let's resolve in our heart. I am putting that aside. It's only an hour till dinner time. I'm not going to ruin my appetite. I want to stay hungry for God. I want to come and feast on the nutritious, wholesome words of my Saviour. I want to be like David where he said, my soul follows close after you. Oh, God, you are my God. Can we say that today? Can we say that with all our hearts, that he is our God? I tell you why I felt I had to bring this word this morning. Because I believe with all of my heart that we are about to enter a season of great awakening and great revival. But I tell you what, we cannot earnestly ask God for something that we're not prepared to allow him to do in us first. We have to be the ones prepared to lead. David led an entire nation in worship to God. He didn't say, you worship God. He said, I will worship God. It's so easy to say to others, you need to give your life to Jesus, but have we truly given our lives to him? Have we given over every part of our heart? Are there areas in our life 
that just don't belong there? What do you need to let go of? What's distracting you from him? It could be absolutely anything. But I want to encourage you to walk past the cinema today and to enter the breakery of the bread of life. Because back to Matthew 5, 6, Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, because they shall be filled. Do you remember what happened to the early church when they were filled? Do you remember the outpouring of the Holy Spirit when they were filled? The world was never the same again. The gospel went to all the corners of the earth because they were filled. But what did they have to do? They had to get rid of distractions. They went into the upper room and they laid aside all distractions and they just waited on him. I believe that's what he's calling us to do today. Get rid of Get rid of it. Wouldn't it be really sad if we were like the second son in the story of the prodigal son? If God began to bring the prodigals home, <laughs> the lost began to be found, the seats began to be filled with people who experienced the bread of life and they're so hungry, they're here. They're here an hour early because they don't want to miss out. Wouldn't it be sad if we were like so full of other things that we were put out and we didn't even have the same hunger ourselves? We want to taste and see. <sighs> Look, there's nothing like the bread of heaven. Stop having the counterfeit. Stop having the stuff that the world says, this is great for you. And instead, with all of your heart, seek his face. Him, Jesus, that's everything. One thing, David said, one thing I've desired. <gasps> Can I just dwell in your house uh, forever? Where do you reckon David is in heaven right now? Do you think he's out in the green pastures or do you reckon he's like, sorry, I just need one more minute in the throne room. Oh. Why don't you come up and let's deal with our distractions. And uh, just come up, start putting them in the box. And as you do, begin to resolve in your heart. No more. No more. It's got to go. It has no place in my life. I'm not having this anymore. Sorry, Jeremy, would you mind popping all the keys for me? Thank you. I put the 
box up here because I'm hoping it represents an altar where we come and we humble ourselves and we lay everything down. I believe the Lord is leading us as a church into a season of intense prayer. Do you know, no revival has ever started without prayer. But before we can intercede for someone else, we have to allow God to deal with the junk in our own hearts, to deal with the stuff in our own lives. It's quite hope. It doesn't belong. When you clear your life of other distractions, you can finally begin to hear his voice again. You can see him. You can have that secret place restored. You can have your life transformed. I didn't think to put the picture up, but um, I took a photo of a bathroom at a B&B that I cleaned. It has black and white tiled floors in this pattern that makes my eyes go really weird. It's, um, of all the floors in all the homes I've ever been in, that bathroom is my least favourite because I feel like the floor is coming out to meet me. It's like weird. But I was there just two weeks ago, not even, and I was praying. I'm praying for people as God puts them on my heart. And I get halfway through this bathroom, clean the toilet, the bath, and halfway through the shower, and I feel the presence of God come in that room so strong. I knew I was going to end up on the floor. And I was like, oh boy, I've got to get low. Next thing I find myself on my knees with my face to the floor, and I'm staring at the tiles, this close, his sense of humour. <laughs> and this is the way my brain works. I'm like, in that moment, God just made everything black and white to me, you know, like, sorry, but that's my humour. And I got it at the time. I'm like, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> so far out. I'm talking about black and white. He said to me, Anita, do you remember that song you, you sang? And it was a vow you made in your heart when you were a little girl. It was to an old hymn called Take My Life and Let It Be, Consecrated, Lord, to Thee. And it has a line in the song and it says, Take my voice, it is thine own. Sorry, take my voice and let me sing ever only for my King. My kids ask me, why don't you want to listen to secular music, Mum? And I said, because I made a vow to God when I was a little kid that my lips and my singing would only ever be for my king. That's the only music I want is his music. I only want to praise him. But he said to me, Anita, you gave me your voice, but there's other areas of your life you're still holding on to. And, oh, like I said, it was made black and white to me, made very clear. And I began to weep and weep and weep on the floor. I hadn't even cleaned the floor yet. Disgusting. Oh, this B&B and I am so undone. I'm convicted. How many 
of us happily give some areas of our life to God, but He wants all of us. He wants our whole heart. Imagine if I said to Jeremy, I love you with part of me. Like, I, there's a part of me that does love you. Do you think he would be just so blessed with that? <laughs> well, we would like say to God, I love you. But we don't give him our whole heart. We're so captivated by peripheral things. But what if we said, I love you, and he knew we meant it with every fibre of our being. he's calling us into and I believe he wants repentance and change to start with us because revival is coming but the choice is up to us whether we enter in or not whether or not we become a part of what he's doing in the earth the promise is there I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and it's going to happen it's already begun but I want to say hey don't leave me out Pour your spirit out on me. I'm going to pray. Father God, you see all the distractions that are in this box and the ones that I've given to you earlier in the week, last week. And Lord, I'm sure there's more that I can get out of my life that needs to go. Father, today we come as your people. We want to say, Lord, we repent where you haven't been our God, where we've made an idol of something else, where we've worshipped with our time and our attention something or someone other than you. Father, we repent today and we draw near to you. Would you cleanse us of all unrighteousness? And would you help us to be hungry and thirsty for you alone? Because then your promise can come about that we will be filled. And I'm asking, Lord, for you to fill us with the Holy Spirit. Not just a little bit, but fill us till we're overflowing. So that the people around us can get a taste and see that the Lord is good. Lord, help us not to be Christian in name only, but in word and in deed and in truth. That, Father, we would be a Christian like the early church. They were first called Christians because they were like Jesus. They were like Christ. Lord, help us to pursue you with everything we have, to lay it all aside for one desire, and that is you. Lord, help us to live in that secret place. Lord, for those in this room who've never entered the secret place, I ask you to take them there today. They would find you, the sweetness of your presence, the beauty of you and who you are. Hear your heartbeat. Hear what's being discussed in heaven, that they would hear your voice. Lord, for those who've been there before but haven't been for a while, would you just draw them back in? Would you open the doors and would you allow us to come deeply into your presence? We ask this in the name of Jesus. Just while eyes are closed in this place today, if you're here, 
and you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life, don't wait another day. There is a glorious future for you in Christ, but you have to receive him. As many as receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe on his name. If that's you today, you say, Nina, I, I want to follow Jesus. Would you just put your hand up? I would love to pray with you. For those watching online, you can do this in your lounge room, in your bedroom. If you're listening in the car, it doesn't matter where you are. Jesus sees you. He sees your heart. So if that's you, put your hand up today. Nina, that is me. I want to follow Jesus. And I'm going to pray with you. Heavenly Father, you see these hands. You see these hearts. Lord, you said if we would confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart, we would be saved. So I thank you for salvation today. I thank you for people choosing eternity with you in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.